Hey, it's Scott Petrak with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. The Browns concluded OTAs this week and will have mandatory minicamp next week. Baker Mayfield won't be there. Deshaun Watson will be there. Here to discuss it with me is Dave Chodowski of Go, the WKYC Morning News. Hey, Chad, how you doing, bud? Scott, I'm good. How are you? Uh, getting some golf in anytime soon? I know uh, you're looking forward to that. You're going to get a little time off with, uh, I mean, do you really ever get time off with this team? No, no not really. I mean, there's, once minicamp's over, theoretically, there's about a six-week break. Of course, Baker Mayfield could be traded. Deshaun Watson um, will likely get suspended during that break. So um, I got a couple things planned. We'll see if, uh, we'll see how much they get screwed up. But yeah, I'm uh, actually, when we wrap this up, I'm hoping to go get uh, 18 holes in, so. I was sitting there the other night just thinking, you know, do, do you feel bad for Browns fans right now? Like the position they're kind of in, like just with this late, and we're going to get into the latest news with Watson, but I just feel like, you know, they're kind of trapped with a, a dilemma here that, that they're dealing with. And, you know, it, it's just, I, I wonder if, if the powers that be could go back and, and redo it or because I sit and think, I wonder what Jimmy Haslam's thinking behind closed doors. But then I see, you know, video of him on the on the field. He looks pretty happy, and it seems like it seems like on the field everyone's okay, right? Yeah, I would say that for sure. Um, but it's hard to get away from this off the field stuff, like you said. And from a fan perspective, I think it is difficult for a significant segment of the fandom, right? I think there's some people that just don't care. Um, there's some people that are defending Watson no matter what comes out there's some that have given up on the Browns or say they've given up on the Browns or we'll have it. We'll find it hard and difficult to root for the Browns because of Watson being here. And then there's a group in the middle, right? That this is tough. They want to see how it plays out, but you know, to me, it feels like a black cloud. And, you know, we probably talked about it at the time, Chud. I don't think this is a surprise. I think some of the things that have come out are surprising. And maybe the fact that they're so, it feels like it's one thing after another. And I don't know if I predicted would have predicted that when the trade happened on March 18th, but I knew I knew at the time that it would be difficult for a number of fans just because of seriousness of the situation, you know, just from a, you know, from a legal standpoint, from a personal standpoint, right? If a lot of this stuff is true, that's awful and it's tough for these women that went through it. And then you have the fan perspective where you don't know if your quarterback's going to be playing this season. Right. So there's so much to kind of deal with and go through as a fan, um, sort through as a fan. And just a quick example, I was out Saturday night and I parked my car um, down in Ohio City and I walked back to it with my wife and the parking attendant standing there. And he goes, "Okay, I need to talk to you about Deshaun Watson. And it was like 20 minutes about how this isn't going away and how he and his buddies have a hard time dealing with it and they don't know how to process it. So I, I do, I mean, that's obviously anecdotal evidence, but I do think that that's, I don't think the guy's alone. And I think there's a lot of fans that are going through that. And then from a Browns perspective, it, it's interesting, Chud, uh, you know, I, I don't know if Jimmy Haslam is, or the Haslam's are having second thoughts. Um, you know, there's probably a sense that, well, if he gets suspended and it's not a long suspension, you know, maybe it's six games or fewer then they made the right decision, right? Especially from a football perspective. And this would, you would think that the backlash would eventually die down. 
Having said that, you know, if it's suspended, if he's suspended for a year or it's an indefinite suspension or more stuff pops up, right? Like there could be a bunch of turns to this story that make the Haslam's look bad, um, make the decision, you know, regrettable if it's not already regrettable. And then you have, you know, like Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski. Where do they play into it? Were they all on board? Are they less on board now? Um, you know, Kevin Stefanski got asked Wednesday at OTAs, you know, can you still say that you're comfortable with Deshaun as a person? And he didn't answer the question. Now he went to his, the line that he always he went to the line that he always uses about letting the legal process play out. But I thought it was interesting that he um, wasn't as maybe strong as the team has been in the past. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this continues to play out. And Kevin Stefanski is in a tough spot, right? Because he's the one answering all these questions. Yeah, no doubt. Um, what Cliff Notes version, I would assume most people listening right now have a pretty good idea of what's going on. But th- this past week, things got a little more interesting. Yeah. yeah um, so about three things jump out at me. The 24th lawsuit was officially filed Monday. And there's some there's some disturbing allegations in there. Um, you know, the woman says that Deshaun Watson rolled over and he masturbated and you know, right in front of her and some got on it. Like, like that's a disturbing thing. And I, I thought besides just that claim, what else stood out to me about the lawsuit was it tries to connect all 24 lawsuits and it talks about a pattern. And, you know, I think this is part of Tony Busby, the attorney for the plaintiffs trying to connect these. So when the first case goes to trial, assuming it does, um, he can reference all the other cases, right? And that's going to be a big legal battle. Can you talk about all these other cases? Because that's not a given, right? Some, a lot of times you're supposed to look at each case on its own, but these feel linked and he's trying to link them and he's trying to give the pattern. Um, and if you can prove a pattern, you know, then I think that hurts Deshaun Watson's case. So that was the first, you have the 24th lawsuit. New York Times comes out with a big investigative report. Um, I would say the highlights from that are they identified six, at least 66 different women who Deshaun Watson had massages from from the fall of 2019. I want to say through the spring of 2020. It might be 2021. It's probably 2021. So, but that's 66 different women, which is, we knew there was a lot, right? We knew it was in the 40s. 66 is just higher than that. Plus, it talked about, and I thought this was the most interesting part of the story. It talked about how Watson's lead attorney, Rusty Harden, was in consistent communication with the district attorney's office, the prosecutor's office, before those cases went to the grand jury, at least before that first case went to that grand jury, um, that he was not indicted, and therefore the Browns and other NFL teams thought that they could then pursue a trade with the Texans. Well, Busby says he did not know that, that he was only in communication once that they didn't want to, that they only put one of the women, one of the accusers in front of the grand jury when others were ready to testify. Um, But yet Rusty Harden was talking to the prosecutor's office a lot. And, you know, so many people look at the lack of indictments, right? There were two grand juries that didn't indict on 10 cases or uh, 10, you know, potential charges. And so many people look at that and say, well, Deshaun Watson's innocent. And 
number one, that does not mean he's innocent. Number two, if, you know, Harden is in consistent communication, um, it makes you, it makes me question whether or not, um, you know, the prosecution really wanted to take this to trial and really wanted to pursue a conviction. And if the prosecutor decides, hey, I'm not going to win this case or this case isn't good for me, then the prosecutor can present evidence that makes a grand jury not indict. So everybody's like, oh, it's so easy to indict. Not if the prosecutor doesn't want to indict. So I think anyone who said, well, the lack of indictments mean he's innocent. I think that's a mistake. And I think it's naive. Um, Obviously, it's better for him and it's better for the Browns that he was not indicted. But I don't think you can just look at those. And I I thought that communication was a red flag. Um, And oh, and then the last one is that Busby is going to include the Texans as a defendant. And I don't know how that affects the Browns and maybe just speeds up a potential settlement. Uh, But it's interesting that, you know, his former employee or employer in an NFL team will be part of the, um, you know, people being sued. Scott, I, I just sit there and I think I'm like, it's like, how many massages can a, can a guy get in his life? You know, I mean, like, I'm thinking like how many people, but then I heard something the other day and, and I'm not sure if this is accurate. So have you heard this? Did, did he basically have like every road city, a different person? And is that accurate or did I, no. did I hear that wrong? No, I don't think so. Chad. The, the, the number of massages isn't, I don't think it's unusual. Right. I think yeah. pro athletes get massages. Right. Especially football players, right? A couple times a week. The the number of different people that he went to is probably it might be unique in the NFL. Yeah, right. Right, guys. That, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Guys find somebody they like, find somebody they trust, and they stick with them. And a lot of this was in the offseason. Um, now some of these weren't in Texas. I think there's one in Atlanta. I think there's one, at least one in Arizona and California. But this wasn't he was on the road for a game. This was he was in Houston um, looking for what he would say is a massage and what the plaintiffs would argue was some kind of sexual activity. Right. That's the that's their case is that he sought random women on Instagram and was hoping it became some kind of sexual act. Right. That's that's the case they're trying to make. Um, and that's why so much of their argument is look at the number of different women, because that's, that is unusual and highly unusual. Someone brought up to me last night. And I I think this actually makes sense that maybe what the NFL might do, instead of just putting an amount of games on it right now, and you kind of touched on it a few minutes ago, is just indefinite, you know, suspend them until they know more or feel they have a better handle on it. Uh, do you see that being maybe the logical thing that they'll do, or is it just really too difficult to tell? No, I mean, I think that's, I think that's become one of the possibilities, you know, when we were considering scenarios that that was not one that I considered. Now I do consider, right? Like that feels like, okay, they suspend him for the way I would read an indefinite suspension is he gets suspended for all of 2022. Some of these trials play out between 2022 and 2023, right? Like in March and April, May, um, before the 2023 season, the NFL would have more information and then decides, do they let him back? Do they let him play again or not? I can see that. Um, I don't know. I don't think the Browns expect that, 
Um, but I could see that being how the NFL goes. We've also talked about this the possibility where the NFL gives us hands down a suspension, but says, hey, if more stuff comes out, we reserve the right to suspend you again. And I think those are along the same lines of indefinite suspension. But if, if the league says, hey, right now we only feel comfortable suspending it for eight games, um, you know, then you don't make it indefinite. But if the league says, hey, we're going to start with a season, then you might as well make it indefinite and see what comes out, right, what, what, how it plays out in the next year. Sure. Let's move on to uh, anything more on Deshaun it, itself before we move on to Baker. No, I don't think so. I mean, you know, it's so hard because I was out there and that was the first time I got to see practice was Wednesday because I'd been out with COVID. And and he looks great, right? Yeah, I mean, he looks, yeah, it looks like you'd expect to. I mean, saw him throw a pick over the middle to JJ3, but I mean, yeah, he looks, you watch him and it's weird because, you know, you know how Twitter is, right? You get one side is defending him and one side's killing him. And all I did right. was tweet, hey, this is my first time seeing Deshaun Watson in person. I didn't say he looks great. I didn't say anything. That's all I said. And about the first eight replies were, you know, quit trying to glorify this guy. And it's not going to matter. He's going to be suspended. So, you know, I must have caught that part of Twitter when I tweeted it. But um, that, again, just shows how, you know, polarizing it is and how tough the situation is. But, yeah, I mean, he did this. The quarterbacks did this drill where they run through the bags, right? They have the ball. They take their drop back. They run through the bags, roll out, and throw the ball to the sideline. And he just looks so smooth doing that. You know, and Jacoby Brissett, who's a good athlete, is like grinding to get through it. And he's kind of, you know, grunting almost like a tennis player. And Watson is like, it's no big deal, you know? So, yeah, I mean, you know, we're going to get into this at some point. Not today because there's so much other stuff. But, you know, he's a big-time quarterback, right? Whatever that is. Um, so, yeah, from a, I'll say for the millionth time, from a po- football perspective, this made all the sense in the world. But – the problem for the Browns is it's not only a football thing and the non-football stuff might really impact the football situation because, you know, when you talk about indefinite suspension, judge, let's say he's suspended for all of this season, right? What do the Browns do with quarterback? Do they trust Jacoby Brissett when you have a roster that's capable of going deep into the playoffs, at least in my opinion, or do you try to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo then, right? To give you, to get you through this year, so it's not a lost season because it would feel like a lost season to me if you just turn it over to Jacoby Brissett and Josh Dobbs, right? So, yeah. so I, I think there's a lot more to play out here. Um, but that's, you know, that's the intersection of football and off and off the field. So Baker Mayfield not be part of mandatory minicamp. He's been excused and that's next week, correct? Yeah, right. So that was the next – um, kind of spot on the calendar was next week, mandatory minicamp, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Would Baker be there? Because the rest of this offseason has been voluntary, right? Um, and you don't see guys. Like, I haven't seen Joe. Joe Batonio has not been at any of the OTAs that the media's been to. Miles Garrett's in and out. Um, Clowney's in and out. Njoku's in and out. Um, other guys pop in and out. But Baker, obviously, has not been there. And nobody expected him to be there because he doesn't want to be on the Browns. And the Browns don't want him on their team. But right. next week was when he had to show up and the Browns and Baker and Baker's representatives came to an agreement that he's excused. He will not be fined. You know, I think the fines could have reached $90,000, give or take. Um, those will be waived. And this just allows the Browns to not have to deal with that next week, right? It allows Baker not have to deal with it next week. 
and gives Andrew Barry more time to try to trade him before training camp. Now, I think in an ideal situation, Baker would have been somewhere else for the offseason program, right? You get to learn a playbook. You get to be around your teammates. Even if it had been mandatory minicamp. Like if they could trade him today to the Panthers, he could go to minicamp next week. And I think he's better off than not getting traded to the Panthers until after minicamp, right? Because then you're not around the team until training camp. So it feels like another window is closed. Um, but at least there's not going to be the issue of Baker being here next week, which would have been just a, I want to say some word, but I'll go sideshow instead. <laughs> right. Well, what this tells me is basically the theory that we talked about a couple of podcasts ago. In my opinion, I feel like the Browns fed the national media the thought that he could still be their quarterback to try to help them trade and give them some leverage. Right. Right. And this kind of, this backs up my thought process there that that's exactly what, what was happening because, you know, they, they're trying to trade him. They're trying to make it seem like, you know, Oh, well, maybe we will keep them, but doesn't this show. And, and we'll get into the possibility of them possibly keeping them in a second, but doesn't this show us that, you know, it's hard to imagine he would play for them ever again after this move. I tell you what, Chad, that is a great point. And I don't know if I had, kind of conceptualized it like that. But you're right. If they had any intention of, yes, if it goes bad with Deshaun Watson from an NFL, you know, suspension standpoint, Baker's the guy, then yeah, you would want him here at some point, right? So yeah, I think that's a great point. I think the fact that they don't want Baker in the building and on the field is the latest example or latest proof that yeah they're done with Baker right we always thought he was they were done with him and I think when they publicly went after Watson that was them saying hey right we're done with Watson but yeah I, I think that's a great point all those yeah they can use Baker's leverage that's garbage and I think the league realizes that which is why the, they don't have an offer they want but I, I think you make a really good point okay so off of that let's say Watson suspended a year mm -hmm. and then we go back to what you just said and they're, they panic and they're like, well, we can't, you know, go a whole year with Brissett and they can't get another guy. Is there any chance they could try to get Baker in a room and say, all right, let's, let's figure this out. Any chance of that at all? I don't think so, Chud. I mean, I don't want to say no and then look like an idiot, right. you know, there's Agreed. no chance at all, but I haven't, you know, I've talked to Browns people Talk to other. I've talked to Baker people. Like, I, I it just doesn't feel like there's any possibility of that at all to me. I agree. I, I, I think, agree. Yeah, I, you know, I think more likely is, like I mentioned, the Garoppolo trade, or you trade for Sam Darnold, right? Like, I think you. I think that flyer makes more sense than, um, than saying no. We're going to try to make it work with Baker. Yeah, I, I'm going to say 99. percent that's how I feel, yeah. but because it's the Browns, and they <laughs> continually give us the, oh my God, I can't believe that. I'll leave 1% chance, I guess, just because neither of us, like you said, want to look like an idiot, but I just, it, it's hard to imagine, but yeah. uh, I'm with you. you know, I go, did, I think I'd go less than 1%. I really do. Le less uh, it's, it's like, it's almost like 99.9 .9 to me. Yeah. I'll give you that. Okay. We're just leaving. That's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Two more things. Uh, one is, do you think the Browns look bad? Across, like, is the NFL looking at the Browns and, you know, 
do they have a bad image right now across the league or, or no? Um, I don't think so. You know, I, I think there's, I think there's a segment of owners that are still upset about, or at least they were upset about the fully guaranteed contract. Right. We've talked about that. Um, I don't think from a, like the league office, I mean, Deshaun was already in the league. Right. Um, so the fact that he's with the Browns, he would have been somewhere. And, you know, it was Atlanta and Carolina and New Orleans, right? They were interested. I think Indianapolis was, but they weren't considered because they're in the same division as Houston. Um, so there were enough other teams that would have done exactly what the Browns did, maybe not to $230 million, but close enough, that um, I, I don't think anybody or I don't think many teams can look down their nose. I think there's probably – and I don't think the league in general can. I think there's probably franchises like maybe Pittsburgh, right? Like Pittsburgh said, we're not going to do this. They needed a quarterback, and they said, we're not right. going to try to get Deshaun Watson. The Giants, right. the Giants were the same way. Like they came out and said, we're not interested in Deshaun Watson. And the Browns are one of the several teams that, that viewed it the other way. So, you know, I think individually some teams might say, hey, this is terrible for our league. But, you know – the people in the league are not naive, right? There's been plenty of guys in the league who've done terrible things and have played and continue to play. Um, I, you know, I mean, Tyree kill, right. I mean, we know in college, right. I'm pretty sure he punched his pregnant girlfriend, right. That's the story. Yeah. And he's making $26 million a year. Right. So, um, you know, that's a reality of the NFL. And I don't like, you know, just because, just because somebody does something bad doesn't mean we should all do something bad or, I'll look the other way. So I don't, I'm not using that as a rationalization. I'm just saying, I think if you're in the league, um, whether you're the league office or owners, you know, it comes with the territory to some, to some extent. Right. Last thing you're the eyes of uh, Browns fans out there. What have you seen out in uh, mini camp uh, or I'm sorry, not mini camp OTAs. Anything stand out to you? I tell you what, um, it was a – I've only seen the one practice, and but I've talked to people that have seen all three that were open to the media, and there's not a lot going on. Like, they're, they're not a they're not 100% speed, right? It's not full speed. There's no pads. Um, so they're not the intensity of training camp practice for sure. And I'm hoping minicamp is higher intensity, and I think it will be, although – Wednesday, they're going to Canton and they're not going to practice long. And Thursday, they're going to the stadium. And I don't think that'll be long practice. So, you know, maybe they're not. Maybe they're just going to try to get through the offseason healthy and then really come back and hit it in training camp. But having said that, you get you get some sense of who's where in the depth chart, right? Um, you know, Chris Hubbard is playing right tackle because Jack Conklin's not there. So it feels like Chris Hubbard's going to be the backup right tackle as opposed to James Hudson III, who was a draft pick a year ago. Um, you know, you get to watch some of the receiver action. I'm going to try to write about Anthony Schwartz one of these days. You know, the Browns need him to take a, take a big jump, right? He's taking reps, He's which he wasn't last year because he was injured. So he feels like that's a big step for him. Um, you know, you see Greg Newsom playing in the slot. I don't know how much we've talked about that show. That's a big deal, the fact that he's going to be asked to play in the slot as well as outside. He'll be outside in two receiver sets, inside in three receiver sets. And he said that's not a big deal. But there's not a lot of guys that have that versatility and that are asked to do that. Um, so he's been getting a lot of work inside, and I think that's important. And then, you know, not, 
just back to Deshaun Watson, the Browns talk about Alex Van Pelt, the coordinator, and Kevin Stefanski. Talk about him getting like 350 reps during this offseason program. And some of it's seven on seven, some of it's 11 on 11, but they just want to drill those fundamentals, right? The fundamentals of the playbook, this, the things that um, the go-to play calls, let's say, and to do that, to get him those reps and time on task, he's been taking like reps with the second team offensive line. So I, I think he's been getting more reps than a normal number one quarterback would. And that makes sense given the fact that he didn't play it all last year, that it's a new system, new team. But it also leaves you wondering, well, if Jacoby Brissett's got to start the first, whatever, four, six, eight, 10, 12 games, um, is he going to be ready enough, right? And yes, we have all of training camp, but I think that's a legitimate question that Kevin Stefanski says, yes, we're doing what we need to do. Um, but I do think it's interesting that Watson has gotten so many reps Um in this period when there's so much uncertainty about his availability for at least week one. No doubt. All right. That's it for me. Unless you got anything else. Uh, no. I think it's time to go play some golf. I agree with that. Chud, thank you so much for the time, buddy. I know uh, you're heading off for vacation. So you enjoy yourself. Um, we'll talk when you get back. I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about. We'll wrap up mini camp at some point and who knows what kind of news we'll have. Right. So, I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the latest episode of the Zone Coverage Podcast. And you can read all my work at brownzone.com. Thanks.